from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Well, hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things that made us go wow. 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 Uh, ben and Bailey, <laughs> co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by James and James. Hello. And Tom Campbell. Now, Tom and I are both in New Zealand, where it is summer, and I hear it's a little chilly in L.A. It is. It has never been this cold anywhere on the planet. I swear to God, you have never experienced a winter like it we're having right now in Los Angeles. Did it snow? Has it snowed? No, it hasn't really reached below uh, 45, I think. <laughs> but... Cold in L.A. is colder than it is anywhere else, and that's because of the confluence of the desert wind and the the, the ocean breezes, and it all comes together in one big uh, kaflama. And, and the fact that your apartment doesn't have any insulation. My apartment is, I might as well be living in a tree outside. Yeah, that's what they call indoor-outdoor living. That's the L.A. concept, right? True. I was telling Tom that I'm just, I'm moving into my bathroom because it has a little portable heater, and that's where I'm living from now on. I'm not leaving my bathroom ever again. Well, we will try and warm you up as we count down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week. Let's start at number 10, Tom. Number 10. I'm starting with another rest in perfection. Um, we're losing him right and left. Uh this uh, Cloris Leachman, the incredible actress, Cloris Leachman. James texted me about this when it happened. James, you cried. Is, is, am I right? I did. I teared up because I had just recently watched High Anxiety. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But I, I was on a sort of a bit of a Cloris Leachman kick. And I just, it, such an amazing talent, such a wonderful woman and such a great part of my life. She, I'll just give you my reminiscence. I mean, obviously, I think she's most famous for being on the Mary Tyler Moore show as Phyllis Lindstrom. That did a there was a spinoff that lasted a year or something, which which yielded one of the best theme songs theme ever. Song. I was listening to it last night. Phyllis, <laughs> it's like it's like Hello Dolly. It's like who takes the fog right out of the who makes the fog surrounding the Golden Gate simply disappear. And it goes on and on. At the end, it's like, Phyllis. Right out of the soft shell, crabs on the pier. Yeah. <laughs> at the end, it's like, Phyllis, it sure isn't you. And anyway. she looks so glamorous in that opening scene where she's got the beige cape and the beige pantsuit. Oh, she was just fantastic. But I want to also say that what a great dramatic actress she was as well when she won her Oscar for The Last Picture Show. I watched that recently. And she plays the wife of the football coach, and she feels old and ugly and unappreciated, and she has an an affair with the – with the high school student and he, he at one point she takes his hand and puts it on her head on her face and just sobs because of the touch of someone feeling her you know touching her again and it's just uh amazing the other thing and i was sharing some of this with fenton yesterday do you know the movie um oh it's the noir movie oh um yeah yeah, yeah. i'm blanking the my memory deadly catch or something right oh, oh, deadly Kiss, yeah, kiss she starts a whole movie starts off and there's this woman and she's basically naked under a jacket and she's running through the street and it's Cloris Leachman introducing Cloris Leachman. She also 
was one of the replacements on the original production of uh, South Pacific. She was yeah. on Broadway in South Pacific in the national tour. I mean, what a career. Plus the Mel Brooks movies, which you'll talk about. Plus, you know, Malcolm in the Middle. She worked until the day she died almost. And yes. uh, she had her. Stars at age 92 or something yeah. like that. Yes. And she was also a guest judge along with Debbie Reynolds on a uh, episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. So we were lucky yeah. enough to Season work two, with her. I believe, right? Yes, correct. Season three, Yeah. Um, I, you know, the, the two roles, which I, she's probably most famous for other than Mary Tyler Moore is Frau Blucher in, uh, <laughs> in, uh, Young Frankenstein. And it, um, for me, it's high anxiety where she's nurse diesel. And she, the, I, my favorite, I say this every single day to myself when she says, come up to my room late tonight. And he says, I can't, she says, I'll let you smell my underpants. And I say that every single day. And also when he's late for dinner and she says, those who are late to dinner do not get fruit cup. And I saw that trending last night on Twitter. Those who are late do not get fruit cup. And it just made me very sad because she was such, oh God, she was wonderful. Cloris Leachman passed away uh, Wednesday at the age of 94. Rest in power. Rest in power, perfection, what have you. Yes. What a life. James, number nine. Number nine. Okay. Ooh, we got to stop for a second and, 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 and really let this seep in. Netflix is doing a documentary about the disappearance of Alyssa Lamb. It premieres February 10th, and we have talked about Alyssa Lamb on the show. It's one of my favorite obsessions of all time. I'm going to recap briefly what happened. She stayed at, she was um, uh, a tourist, a 21-year-old tourist from Vancouver, I believe, a, a student. She went to stay at the, um, gosh, what's the name of the hotel? The, the Cecil Hotel. The Cecil Hotel down on, on Skid Row, which is famous for housing serial killers, for murders, for people disappearing all the time. It's what Ryan Murphy-based hotel American Horror Story on. Okay, that's the that's the hotel. It's very creepy, very creepy. So she disappears, and she's later found dead in the water tower. And the reason why they found it is because the water in the faucet started turning black because of the decomposing body. So there uh, suddenly uh, there appears on the internet a video of her last moments alive. And it's taken from inside an elevator at the Cecil Hotel, and it's from the corner. And you see her run into the elevator, terrified, up against the wall, up against the wall right by the buttons. And she's looking around. She's it's like she's being chased. She's, she's just terrified. She begins punching the buttons, and nothing happens. The elevator doors don't close. The elevator doors don't close. They don't close. They don't close. It's minutes later, and the elevator... Why are the elevator doors not closing? Mystery number one. Okay, so she looks around, peers around, and she begins to scream to somebody. She's talking to somebody. We don't know who she's talking to. We don't know what's going on. But she's gesticulating wildly. And as she gesticulates wildly... It looks like her hands are elongated. Her arms are longer than they should be. And it doesn't look like there's any bones in them. They're flopping around like there's no bones in the body. Like, what is this? Is is she a ghost? Is this the ghost of Alyssa Lamb that's doing this? Well, she apparently somehow she got up onto the roof, which was locked. 
She got over a fence to the water tower. She climbed up the water tower, and the water tower has a very heavy roof. So she somehow needed someone. She couldn't do that alone. She couldn't lift the roof. She couldn't get into the water tower, but somehow she got into the water tower. And that's the mystery of Alicia Lamb. And they are going to be probing in great depth in this documentary and hopefully we can find some sort of uh a closure to it because it's really it, I, I i want you to go to the wow report and look at the video because it is one of the craziest things you'll ever see in your life it's truly chilling that video really yeah. is truly chilling we'll post it on the wow report of course so you can see yeah. it for yourself but i saw all i wanted to see just seeing that cctv footage i was like this is too this is too scary this is too yeah. creepy yeah. and i will just add the documentary is directed by um Faded, famous director, Joe Berlinger. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. I did see that. Yeah. All right. Number, let's see, number eight. Number eight. I was going to do something else, but, um, you know, it's documentary season. It's awards season, I should say. So the Oscars are coming up and all everybody's campaigning to win the best documentary. I think there's something like 238 documentaries vying for the award. And um, but one of them that isn't going to be on that list, but I think should be, is this 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 video, this two hour feature documentary called Putin's Palace. And it is made by a guy called Alexei Navalny. Navalny. Now, do you remember last year? You know, Russians, Putin's people have a habit of poisoning people. Yes. Um, and last year, Alexei was poisoned. They thought it was a radioactive tea that he drank at the airport and he was taken deathly ill on the flight. In fact, they thought he was going to die. And I think he was kept in Russia for a few days and then exported or medevaced to Germany where he recovered. Now, you would think if you're on Putin's wanted list that once you got out of Russia, you wouldn't go back. But he recovered and returned to Russia uh, earlier this month and was promptly arrested But this guy is so brilliant because he knows that actually, in some respects, he's safe. He is. The world knows that Putin has a target on his back and Putin can't get rid of him now without causing some enormous international incident. But the kicker is two days after he was arrested, he releases a feature documentary. It's two hours long called Putin's Palace. And this guy, Alexei, narrates this video breaking down Putin's web of corruption from the days when he was working in the mayor's office in St. Petersburg and points out that all the cronies then are the people now who run Gazprom and all the companies. and all. He basically lays bare the entire kleptocracy of Putin. Wait, has he really ever done this before? Is this something I thought we've known about all, you know, or... We have known about the corruption, but I think... The palace is the new twist. It's been built at a cost of $1.8 billion. It's bigger than an entire city. It's the new Versailles. It has an aqua disco. It has a hooker lounge with a stripper pole. It has an underground ice rink. It has two helipads. And it, it's, it's on the edge of the Black Sea on a cliff. And there's an underground tunnel that leads down to the beach. It is just... It is just epic. It is epic. And it's not without a sense of humor because apparently they built this thing so fast. Uh, it's completely infested with mold 
So you have to rip everything out and start all over again. And we know you do love your dictator palaces. You you do have a yen for that. Well, you know, I think, you know, you can, you know, buy that. The, the, the way dictators use their country as a canvas for building is the way you can sort of see what they're about. Yeah. And, and he calls uh, Putin mentally ill. I don't think many people have dared to call him that publicly. Uh-huh. Um, but the palace and the grounds is 39 times the size of Monaco. Um, so it is basically its own city state. Um, <laughs> And this 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 documentary is fabulous. I'm not all the way through it, and it's delivered at sort of machine gun speed, like fact after fact after fact, in that sort of lovely sort of Chekhovian Russian dourness. And you're sort of you're getting bombarded with facts and information, but it's really incredible. And it's been seen over a hundred million times. So take that Netflix, you know, because I think Netflix is is out there right now. Saying Bridgerton is 82 million. This has been seen a hundred million times. It's only been out like a week. So, um, yeah. Now, but, but does it, can anything bring Putin down? Can something like this affect him at all? Or well, with his arrest, there were, there were, there have been protests all over the country and there, and there haven't really been people in the streets in Russia since pretty much the collapse of the Soviet Union or at least since Putin came to power. It's really, they arrested something like 3,000 people in 100 cities. You know, I think they have a real problem on their hands. And I don't know, he's brilliantly sort of checkmated Putin because what what is Putin going to do? He can't bump this guy off, you know. So I guess that's to be continued. Uh, (laughs) Tune in to Ruble's Drag Race, 8 p.m. VH1 tonight. For the bag ball, right, Tom? That's thirty-six looks across three categories. Yes, right. serving, serving, fashion, outrageous, right? <laughs> so you can watch that, and you can also watch RuPaul's Drag Race UK, which is on Wow Presents Plus. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Blake, if you got a question for us, I do. Um, actually, both of my questions this week I learned on TV this week. <laughs> Did you guys happen to see the Queen Latifah executive produced Mario Van Peebles directed Salt and Peppa biopic on Lifetime last weekend? Well, I did not. No, I'm glad. I'm so angry. It was so good. Well, here's my first question What do Salt and Peppa, Kid and Play, and Martin Lawrence all have in common? Hmm. We'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to The Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and James and Blake. And we're counting down the top 10 things of the week that made us go wow. Blake, you asked us a question. Yeah, both of my questions this week I learned by watching TV. And the first one I learned watching the Salt and Pepper biopic last Sunday on Lifetime. What do Salt and Pepper, Kid and Play, and Martin Lawrence have in common? They're all feuding with Spinderella. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say they all went to the same high school. Oh. I think they have the same manager, but I can't remember the manager's name. They were. They may have the same manager, but they were all working as telephone solicitors for Sears 
in the same call center in Queens in the mid 80s. What? what? Carol from Salt and Pepper said, I was going to school with Pep. Pep needed a job, so I told her to come over to Sears. Kid and Play were already there. And then Martin Lawrence came over from DC and started working there. I was That's like, what? This is weird. Is Cameron Diaz or Cameron Diaz and Snoop Dogg going to high school together? <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, she was his pot, he was her pot dealer. And then she was in high school when she was in high school. Push it, baby. All right, let's go on to number seven. Number seven. Tom. It's Tom Campbell with another rest in peace. Uh, we lost Larry King this week. Um, he was up there in years, but he did uh, die for complications of COVID. So fuck you, COVID. And the people that did not uh, f- help us fight against it in government. Um, you know, Larry King, you can sort of joke. You can kind of laugh him off, right? He, the suspenders, the softball questions. I have to say in all the tributes, and I do get CNN here, even though we're out of the country. Man, we Larry King at 9 o'clock on CNN was watched around the world. It was live. It was every, you know, weekday. He had on the biggest names in politics, presidents, you know, the biggest stars, uh, you know, the famous, uh, he had um, Marlon Brando on famously later in his life and they kissed on the lips. But, you know, you, I kind of, you want, you know, he would, he would never ask the hard enough questions uh, sometimes, but he would get access to everyone. And was kind of, I think his choice was to like, just to be a, a safe place for everyone to come. And uh, I remember watching it on the couch with my mom. It's just, you know, when something, it was breaking news during the OJ trial. He had so many, so many hours of OJ and the people involved in OJ. Um, and, and he was, you know, it just, and when he stopped, uh, uh, and CNN ended at 2010, he spent the next 10 years taking the same show basically and doing it online. So he really was unstoppable and uh what what are your guys memories or thoughts about the passing of mr larry king i only really have one which was that tammy faye was pretty much a permanent guest she was always on um but also she gave a very moving final appearance when she was literally death and she she looked incredibly ill but it was one of the great interviews because, you know, Tammy was someone who wanted to, to be on camera and to, to share with the world. And she was a great communicator. And I often think Larry and Tammy were kind of like, you know, they should have, they should have been married. Larry and Tammy, they would have made a great couple. Um, I remember uh, a couple of times when Cher would just call in out of the blue when they would have callers. And it was, they, they, she'd just say, hi, Larry, it's Cher. And then, like, they would just start chatting. I do remember that. And I remember there's a Liza Minnelli interview that is triple viral where she seems a little inebriated and she's laughing, giving that chortle of hers. And it's more Liza than you've ever seen before. He really did get like, he, he got all the old, you know, the, the Elizabeth Taylors and the Ann Margarets and the, you know, shares. And she, he really was very good with, with his uh, stars. So Larry's gone. I mean, I, the one thing I'll remember, it's funny. It's less about, Larry, but again, he just, he, it's so smart to have a place that anyone would come, but there was this moment, this is a Suzanne summer story where she got so busted. The inquirer, she, you know, does all those like natural stay young, naturally, you know, don't get, you know, that kind of stuff. And she got busted so hard by the national Enquirer with pictures of her going to get a tummy tuck or like liposuction before going on a tour about stay young forever naturally. 
And so it was breaking. It was a horrible story. It was going to demolish Suzanne Summers like 20, 25 years ago. And she went on to Larry King that night and said, Larry, I'm fighting breast cancer. And suddenly the whole story shifted from being like about her duplicitous act to the fact that the girl that we loved because she had big bodacious boobies almost lost them to, and she was doing natural, you know, uh, 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 therapies. And it was just, and it was, it was a night that blew my head off mostly because Suzanne Summers was so adept and Larry did try to sort of, um, uh, 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 like steer her back. Like, but what does this have to do with the doctor's office? Were you there for treatment? Boy, we get under treatment for your breasts. Larry, I have breast cancer. Anyway, um, those were the days. Larry King, rest in perfection. Yes. Uh, Blake has just written me a little note that says that Susan Summers is a Trump supporter. <laughs> so That's why I told that story, because it makes her look bad. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Okay. Let's go on to number six, James. Number six. What is my number six? What, what am I doing? What What's happening? I'm having an aneurysm. What's going on? What would Sophia Loren do? Oh, definitely, of course. Um, I watched a little micro documentary on Netflix. It is one of the shortest things on Netflix. It's only 34 minutes. I think you have time to watch this. It is absolutely adorable. It's a woman. She's an 80-something-year-old uh, mother named Nancy Kulik, Kulik, something like that. And at every moment, she's a Sophia Loren super fan. And at every moment in her life, there has been a Sophia Loren movie that has come out that has sort of given her guidance or inspired her or made her feel better when she's down. And she's telling the story of her life. And it parallels the Sophia Loren movies. And so you see all sorts of intercut with Sophia Loren movies from the 1950s and on up. And Sophia Loren, you forget, is one of the great faces and bodies of the 20th century. Nobody has ever looked like her. Nobody's ever acted like her. And she's just volcanic. And this woman is a loud Italian woman. And she was in the 70s. She was a beauty in the 70s. And so she's sort of like, she really identifies with this woman. Well, at the same time, they're interviewing Sophia Loren on the set of her new movie, which is directed by her son, Carlo Ponti. And she's in her 80s now, and she's reflecting on her life at the same time. And then at the very end, of course, the daughter who is directing the documentary brings the two of them together for a meet and greet. And Sophia could not be more wonderful. She takes the woman in her arms. They hug each other for about 20 minutes. They're just, they, she, she, they, they're laughing together. Sophia could not be more gracious. Sophia says, let's have lunch, invite the family. The whole family comes down and they sit and they drink bottles of wine and eat spaghetti and laugh. And like, it's just to see Sophia Loren be so wonderful with a super fan. I think some of the drag queens should take note. I'm just putting that out there because I have never in my life seen a meet and greet go so beautifully as this. It's an absolutely heartwarming documentary. And if you don't know that much about Sophia Loren, this is a perfect primer. It's only 34 minutes. And I say, what would Sophia Loren do? And that's streaming on Netflix, right? Yes. Okay, great. All right. Number five. Number five. I'm going to talk about another documentary. Uh, you know, James, it is awards season, so everybody's out campaigning to win the short documentary. I expect Netflix is promoting that for, you know, short the short-form documentary and long-form. 
Uh, I was asked to do a chat with David Franz, the uh, former reporter, writer, turned documentary filmmaker. He directed How to Survive a Plague about the AIDS epidemic. He directed The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson about the legendary trans activist. Mm-hmm. Um, and his latest film is Welcome to Chechnya. So I'm sticking with Russia this this uh, t- today. And I have it's- a feeling you're going to end up living there. I just have this weird feeling that you're going to be defecting sometime soon. <laughs> I don't think so after I tell you about Welcome to Chechnya. Well, I'm certainly not going to Chechnya because, as you probably know, you know, news came out a few years ago during the Trump regime that gays were being hunted down and killed by the Chechnyans. And it occurred to David that someone should do a documentary about this because extraordinarily, well, A, the Trump regime was doing nothing to help them because, you know, humanitarian concerns are not number one on their for, on their agenda. But number two, no one had picked up on the subject. And he literally got on a plane and went to Moscow and made this amazing documentary, which is uh, it's streaming on HBO Max. And I don't know if either of you have seen it, but it is really quite extraordinary. One of the key things in it, he has um, sort of footage of, of gay people being pulled from their cars and beaten up because yeah. kind of as trophies... The, the people doing the assault would record the assault to prove that they were doing the right thing. Um, but he goes underground and follows this railroad, this underground railroad where they get gay people out of Chechnya into a safe house in Moscow. And from there, they get them to Canada. They've done this for like 151 people. America, of course, has taken zero, not one single one. Um, Canada's taken like 44. But it's so powerful because you see these these people are in shock and trauma. It's, you know, you would think that they would be happy that they are finding freedom, but they're just numb. And it's just so moving and powerful. He also did something extraordinary, which was use deep fake technology to protect the identity of the people in his film. Because if they could be recognized... So he basically puts new faces on his subjects and it's pretty incredible. It's a, and I love this sort of switcheroo. You know, Putin's regime is, is all about fake news. Trump is all about fake news. And using the number one weapon of fake news to turn it around in a documentary situation is kind of super duper cool. I have a confession to make. Fenton previewed the story with me. And I thought he meant that they gave them new faces in life. That's oh, like face off, <laughs> like they were. Yeah. But it wasn't that. It's just that they digitally replaced their faces in the documentary. For anyone who's as dumb as I am and didn't understand that, but I think you probably all understood it. Well, <laughs> is the situation in Chechnya still as dire as it was a few years ago? It is indeed, because this guy Ramzan Kadyrov, who actually reminds me most of Trump, he's a complete ogre and oik, and wears like those sort of nylon shell suits, those exercise suits, and he's got this beard. And there's an incredible clip from, um, what's that HBO sports series? I forget what it is, but he's interviewed and he's just slouching in a chair and he's got a smug smile on his face. And the, the, the interviewer asked him about gays and he says that animals are low life, you know, take them, they don't belong here. And he's just smirking and just, you know, Uh-oh. It's it's clear to me that this, you know, the, we've talked so much here about Trump, and I don't mean to talk about Trump anymore, 
but there is a trend, right, of these strong leaders. There is this this yeah. trend for sort of fascism, and this guy Ramzan is just the worst. So we also know that Poland is is going through a, an extremely uh, anti uh, gay homophobic period right now, and things are happening there. So it seems like this is something that that needs to be addressed throughout the world. I've always felt that actually in a new fascist era, who would be the enemy? And I actually think it does make the most perverted, twisted sense that you would identify gay people as the enemy. I think it's easiest to drive a wedge between people uh, and, 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 and make gay people uh, easy targets, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. So let's welcome Shesha. Okay, let's take a break. Uh, oh, I just have to tell you the T.S. Madison experience, new show from World of Wonder, coming to WE, Women's Entertainment TV, uh, on March, in March, on March, um, with T.S. Madison and, of course, the one and only New York, Miss Tiffany Pollard. So, oh, yeah. Um, more details to come on that. Uh, Blake, have you got a question? I do have a question. Um, as I said earlier, I learned both of these from watching TV this week. I love that about you. What TV? Now, I I learned this one on The Weakest Link, which I'm loving. Jane Lynch uh, um, is almost as good as the original, but (laughs) what TV show that has been on the air for 68 years was created by Sigourney Weaver's father? You guys may know this because you're in production, but I thought, thought it was fascinating. You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. We'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back. You're listening to The Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. And you had a question for us, Blake. Yes, this week I learned all of these trivia questions by watching TV. I learned this one by watching The Weakest Link. What TV show that has been on the air for 68 years was created by Sigourney Weaver's father. I I think it's the Today Show. Yeah, no. I think he I think Sigourney Weaver's father created the Today Show and the Tonight Show. I think the Tonight Show started in 1952 because that's when Steve and Edie met when they were singers. Steve Edie and Steve Lawrence and Edie were May. So I'm gonna say the Tonight Show. And I'm gonna say I think it's the 700 Club. <laughs> it was the Today Show because I remember something about um, there was the m- monkey that was on the Today Show back in the 1950s, and she said that she had like nightmares about about her interactions with the monkey or something. There's some weird monkey story there. I had no idea. Ted Mugs or something was the name of the monkey, right? Tom, something like that. I can't remember, but yes, something like that. Well, there you go. What? James has a visitor. <laughs> this could be the beginning of a you know, the disappearance of James St. James. Okay. We should, yeah, we should have guest stars. We should have guest stars drop by our actual locations. I like the that. water in right. World of Wonder goes runs black with James's decomposing <laughs> body. Yuck. What have we got at number four, Tom? Number four. I'll try not to spend too much time, but you know, for better or worse, we spent a lot of time in the past three years talking about Trump's deterioration of our country. One executive order, bad policy and bad, you know, immoral act after another. Well, 
Biden's been in office about a week, a week and some change, you know, and he is he must have a cramp in his right hand because he is taking care. He is reversing. He is unfucking the fuckery of Donald Trump. Uh, and, and these are just a few of the orders he's done regarding COVID and healthcare. We re we rejoined the World Health Organization. Hallelujah. So we can like coordinate with the rest of the world in terms of the COVID things. He's um he's calling for an improvement expansion for the COVID-19 vaccines. There's actually going to be a plan. Now, let me just caveat all this. Listen, politics is ugly. It's the worst job in the world to be president. I'm sure some of these will fail or have flaws in them, but at least we're moving in the right direction. Environmentally, we are we are rejoining the Paris Climate Pact. You know, when it comes to the economy, he's created um, uh, a Buy American campaign. There's, you know, um, uh, he's working for the $15 um, uh, minimum wage. Yes. DACA program has been reinstated. They said yesterday, and it made me cry, I don't know why, but Jill Biden is going to help lead the commission to reconnect the immigrant children that were separated from their parents, which that whole thing, I have not even been able to absorb the pain of that. I don't think of any human can. And it seems almost like an undoable thing to even attempt to do, but the least they're trying. Like that's like, you know, it's like, ugh, it just breaks my heart, but thank God they're doing it. Thank you. Biden Harris administration. They've also, in terms of equity and diversity, they've reversed the ban on Trump, you know, transgender ban in the military off the books. Um, he's also, Biden has officially extended federal non-discrimination protections to the LGBTQ Q plus community, and they stopped the, the terminate the building of any new private prisons, which is I, we think is a big problem in leading to incarceration, especially disproportionately toward uh, African American Black people, and on and on and on. I, I, I can't even summarize them all, but it's a new day. He does it without a lot of fanfare. I mean, people are covering it, but it's like I just wanted to take a moment to luxuriate or just just recognize and have our hearts and souls filled with some of the great work that he's doing in the early days. There's so much more to do. I'm not saying that it's all over, but it's, it's, it's his really strong beginning. And doesn't it feel like now more than ever, things have to be done quickly and succinctly. Like you there's no uh, slowness. You have to jump on it. Anyway, I'll stop talking. Counterpoint. We also have Josh Hawley and Marjorie Taylor Greene to contend with, and Senator Ted Cruz, who seem to be getting more and more batshit crazy every single day. So it's not all good news. We have a big fight still ahead of us, and a lot to do, and a lot of a lot of. Nasty- I don't mean to make that sound like it's, it's it's a paradise, but it's been so long. We've always had those people. They're worse than ever, but we we've never you know we we have someone in power who can at least flex a muscle against them. Um, I, I hear you. I hear you, James. That's right. We've got to keep flushing the Third Reich. (laughs) (laughs) And wash your hands. Uh, James, number three. Number three. Uh, This week, you know, I watched um, a new series on sci-fi, a science fiction dramedy called Resident Alien. And, of course, everybody right now is talking about WandaVision. I don't know if you've watched WandaVision yet on Disney+. Plus. They say it is the most innovative television show in the last 50 years. And it is changing the face of the way we watch television, blah, 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 blah. I don't have Disney+, Plus, so I'm, I'm doing Resident Alien. Resident <laughs> Alien is... Um, uh, it's an alien, a big, a big lizard-like alien, and he crash lands to Earth. 
and he shapeshifts into the form of a of a young doctor played by Alan Tyduck, something he's an actor that you know, you know his face when you see it. Um, and it he goes to a small town in Colorado and he becomes the doctor, the town doctor. And it's he's trying to sort of fit in with the people, but he's acting like an alien and everyone sort of like is he think they think he's a weirdo, blah, blah, blah. Everybody in town is sort of a quirky, strange type. They say that it's a lot like Northern Exposure. All the um, critics are saying it's the new Northern Exposure. It has a Gilmore Girls quality to it, where the whole town is quirky and beloved, and everybody has a backstory that, that gets deeper and deeper as the show goes on. Everybody, the critics have seen seven episodes, and they say by the seventh episode, you love everybody in the town. The The thing is, he... Um, there's one boy in town who can see his true his true self. They see he sees him as the big the big alien, the big rubber alien, and um, so he's trying to kill that boy. So this is not Mork and Mindy. This is not my favorite Martian. His plan when he came to Earth was that he was going to destroy the planet and kill every human. But as the series goes on he sort of begrudgingly comes to love the humans and accept them for their foibles and all the things he was going to kill them for. He ends up sort of falling in love. Yes. It sounds like the James St. James story a little bit. <laughs> it, it, I, I, I totally identify with this. Person. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's funny. There are a few clunky moments in the, in the premiere. There's always a few clunky moments in every premiere, but I think I'm going to give it a shot because it, it, it's sort of a, a new take on the, um, uh, earthling fought, man who fell to earth story. Is he like still it. trying to kill the boy who can see him? Yes, yes. Every oh. episode he tries to kill him. And then uh, he's also, at the same time, when he, his ship was l- crashing, it lost the, the, the button that was going to blow up the earth. So he's like combing through the, the mountains of Colorado trying to find this button so he can destroy humanity. And so, but then it alternates between these warm, fuzzy stories where, oh, there's also a serial killer in town and, who killed the doctor before him. So he's trying to solve the murder, who the serial killer is at the same time. There's a lot of stuff going on and it's just a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's uh, Resident Alien on the Sci-Fi Channel Wednesdays, 10 p.m. Yes. Um, number two. Number two. Uh, another documentary. It's award season. Documentaries are out campaigning. This is it's it's about a similar theme. Remember, a few weeks ago we talked about the dissident, which was the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, the journalist in the uh, uh, Turkish um, consulate. Please, please, Fenton, let me know that this is as depressing as that documentary. Please, go on. This is very depressing, but there's no hacksaws. There's no murder. Actually, I'm sorry. There's quite a lot of murder. Okay. This is called A Thousand Thousand Cuts, and it's by Ramona Diaz, who made a film about Imelda Marcos. And this time she's making a film about... Duterte, President Duterte in the Philippines. She's Filipino filmmaker. And Duterte, as you may know, another of our evil strongmen characters who came to power and whose mission was to eradicate the drugs problem by just killing all the drug dealers. And he's basically unleashed mass murder in the Philippines. He's killed thousands of drug dealers. Needless to say, this, this sort of, let's call it a cleansing campaign hasn't really worked. And clearly it's just bandits going around killing other 
Yeah, it's not a it's not a happy story. Anyway, so Duterte launched this war on drug dealers and standing up against that, or at least shining a light on it, is this very famous journalist, Maria Ressa, who heads up an organization called Rappler, which is a digital sort of CNN type thing. And she fell victim of, you know, one of these disinformation wars that we're seeing more and more of. Twitter trolls, you know, launching on her, saying you should be dead, you should die. Um clearly motivated by Duterte, who is a disgusting piece of shit, by the way. Uh, let's be clear. You know, he he makes jokes about rape. He, uh, like Trump, makes jokes about his dick. He says the reason why he likes to eat dried fish is because it's like blank. Um, he's this vile, loathsome pig who seems to be adored in his country. And she has been arrested. Um, and it's really just documenting that story and telling that story of how she just continues. She's really a, a lovely, saintly figure who has no fear and comes and goes and is tra traveling around the world, spreading the message and just trying to keep the news out there. But it's a sort of reminder of the jeopardy journalists can be, you know, they are targets in countries where strong leaders, are, strong men leaders and dictators and fascists are trying to, destabilize truth and, you know, yeah, that's basically it. You should watch it. It's, uh, let me see, where can you watch it? Um, Blake, do you know where you can watch it? DTV, depressing television. That's DTV, depressing television. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's not really that depressing because she is such a joyful character. She's this little woman. She has okay. no fear. She is, you know... She's just got complete clarity about what she's doing. She's a really inspiring. She's a really inspiring person. Okay, okay. I take it back. Yeah. It's and it, it's on the tenacity of the human spirit. Television tenacity oh, of the human exactly, spirit. exactly, exactly. I get it. All right, let's take one more break, and when we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing this week that made us go wow. Wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back. I'm Fenton here with James and Tom and Blake's there somewhere too. And we've reached number one. What is the number one story this week? Number one. Well, this is your fault, Fenton, because you said something, two words to me, anal swabbing. And you had me at anal. So, you know, I know everyone's complaining about vaccinations and tests and nasal swabbing tell us about the breakthrough information this week the wow worthy report about anal swabbing please well wait, it, it is the anal option i just wanted to say if rupaul should know that there is an anal option now that's right uh china's experiencing a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a surge in cases uh, and they are introducing anal swabbing as the preferred testing mode because apparently it's much more accurate. And now, when you stand in, when you're in line in your car, you have to stick your bare ass out the window, and that's when they take the 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 giant. Uh, it's it's a Q-tip about this long and about this thick, and they ram it up your butt, and everybody laughs. Everybody in line laughs and laughs and laughs. Yep, you just stick it in reverse. That's what you do when you get in your car. You stick it in reverse. Um, I don't know any details. I, I, James and 
Tom, I sent you an article, but of course I didn't well, read it. I, no, no, no. I, I, I take umbrage onto that because we did a story about two days before you sent the article. And if you'd been reading the WOW report, you would probably know a little bit more about it because I can tell you that one of the reasons why they do this is because the COVID in your fecal matter is there longer than it is in your saliva. And to get up in your guts is to uh, really get into uh, some maybe hidden uh, COVID that wouldn't be found otherwise. And so it is supposedly a better option. Brady, I, I have a song. <clears throat> to know, know, know me is to anal swab, swab, swab me. And you do, and you uh, do, and you do. Well, I've been trying this at home. I've been doing the home <laughs> anal swabbing. <laughs> uh... Well, okay, would you sooner be anally swabbed or nasally uh, fisted? Um, um, as I as it's been a long time since everyone, as it, as there are cobwebs down in my anal cavity, I I I, I wonder if they could even get in at this point. I've been re-virginized. Yes, L like that water tower in your other story. There's a very heavy lid that takes several people to lift to get to your. And anal the black goo is the same in both stories. <laughs> I, I think anal swabbing might be easier. Although I have no trouble. I'm the one of the weird people that does not mind a nasal swab. We had to do a lot of it here before we were released into Auckland. And uh, uh, Theron and, and Michelle were so amazed that I could just sit there and let, let that guy's hand just disappear as it went up my nasal cavity. <laughs> well, they, in New Zealand, they definitely like to go all the way. I think, you know, the, the, I bet when they fist you, they really fist you down here. Oh! It's the old farmer problem, right? Because then, you know, when they lobotomize and they would take the screwdriver and shove it up your nose, and that's what they did right. with Francis Farmer. Right. Looking aside for a second, what I love about what they did here is they made me so conscious here. They care about the infectious period. So anything, whether it's anal swabbing, whatever is a more accurate uh, 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 measure just to keep us out of circulation while we're infectious, you know, it's worked here. You know, they have very, almost no, uh, no, no COVID cases and, and life pretty much goes on as normal. They're very cautious again in public transportation and things wearing masks. But I did see the there was a, a big concert in New Zealand this past week. And there was also a big, huge party in Australia. So I guess Australia has yeah. gone down as well. And the yeah, world I will just say just yet a couple of days ago, Tom, they had a little mini outbreak at one of the quarantine, the MIQ facilities, the quarantine hotels. And it's a little bit of a mystery because the person had tested, 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 negative, 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 was released and then developed COVID. And now I believe two or three other people at the same hotel or same MIQ facility have also developed COVID towards the end of their stay. And it's like, it's a little weird. It's like, how did it spread in the hotel? Because as Tom, you know, as you, we can share, like they keep you really socially yeah. isolated and distanced. You're wearing a mask at all times. You're not touching surfaces. One person, one elevator. It's it's like, how could someone catch it? at a, It's it's a little bit of a mystery. 
but and also credit where credit is due that they're able to track that kind of stuff and know that it's happening here versus just like i don't know maybe it's a meeting outside i don't know so anyway i hear well, you two, two just very quick points about covid um it, here in the states is there was a big article here uh, i think in the la times about saying that you need to wear three masks now they had been saying two masks now they're saying triple it up and also the big news today breaking in america was that um, the the new more the the more virulent strain has reached South Dakota. I think there were some cases from South Africa. Something it, it said somewhere I can't I can't remember where, but it's it's in America now. And there were three or four cases that it, it disturbed everyone. So we're supposed to wear three masks. Is that two on our face and one on our on our anus? <laughs> and then that up, Bob. Woo! Well, thanks for tuning in to The Wow Report on Radio Andy, Sirius XM. That's all we have time for today, I'm afraid. But you can watch previous episodes on our YouTube channel, Wow Presents. And we will see you same time, same place next week. Until then, go out, put on one mask, two masks, three masks, uh, keep socially distanced, and do something that makes the world go wow. Yeah.